G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another Sports by Fry episode. My name is Fry and I am in a pretty solid mood after the first week of AFL Fantasy. Nine games in the books, we still have 22 weeks to go, so if you aren't as chipper as me or you're flying high, try not to get too caught up by one week because there's still a lot of footy left to be played. Uh, the large fries and coke didn't exactly dish up a dominant score, but... Most of the players who I picked, I think invest or invested in, I should say, uh, performed admirably. There were a few of the premium guys I took a punt on that didn't really live up to the hype, but I picked them for a reason, so most of them are going to be uh, backed in to reproduce over the next couple of weeks, but some of them are on the chopping block. There were some pretty huge scores out there, a lot of players scoring well. Shout out to Hezza's Hurricanes, Heather Newton's team, who not only topped the Sports by Fry League this week, Topped the entire community in AFL Fantasy. The highest score in the game. 24-30 something from memory. So kudos to Heather. Make yourself known if you're a uh, podcast or YouTube listener. But without further ado, let me dive into round one and wrap up everything AFL Fantasy. Okie first things first, I'm going to go through a little bit of my team. Uh, starting in defence, the only person who really gets a deserved kick up the ass is Sam Collins, but it probably should be me for picking Sam Collins. I mean, there's no, uh, no secret that fullbacks aren't good at fantasy, and picking a key defender was always a risky play, but I still started Collins, and making matters worse, I started him on my field for his 21 points, so... I don't think I'm going to trade him out just yet. Like I said, his job security is pretty high up there. I think he'll be playing most, if not all, of Gold Coast's games this year. Uh, maybe bring Scrimshaw uh, in off my bench or rookie selections uh, when teams are announced next Thursday or coming Thursday might dictate a little bit of my uh, moves there. But yeah, the rest of the blokes kind of delivered. Witherden I was a little disappointed in, similar with Williams, but... Again, those dudes, I think, can bounce back. Not uh, guaranteed, but fingers crossed. Jake Lloyd did his thing. I think nearly half the comp has him, so they were pretty happy with his 120+. And then the other on-field rooks delivered uh, pretty nicely. 60 from Jordan Clark was fine on debut, and Dersma had a 71, so can't be too unhappy with those scores. Midfield, there was only really one letdown, and that was Dustin Martin. I mean, I would have liked more than hundreds from Cripper and Brayshaw, but... That's me just being picky. I mean, I did get 130 pluses from Crouch and Taranto. Didn't have Steve Canelio for his big 160, was a bit of a letdown. And obviously didn't have uh, big Tommy Rockliffe, who had 166, the highest score of the round, who I'm going to talk about soon. But yeah, Dusty let me down a bit on Thursday night with his 81. And although I don't want to chop and change too many of my premiums after just one week, he might be the one that makes way for Rocky. Uh, all three of my rookies who I had on field had pretty awesome scores. Bailey Scott, special shout out to uh, help me win my league with the last touch he recorded. So pretty solid, happy with my midfield. The bench I would have liked a little bit more from Atkins and Gibbons, but you can't win them all, right? Turning my attention to the Rucks. Grundy, again, a little bit of a letdown, but don't go panicking just yet. I think he can bounce back. Uh, those who have Max gone, I'll talk again about him soon, but similar deal. You don't want to overreact just from one week. Jared Witts, who I backed in for the last couple of weeks as my second ruck, produced well, so thank you for that, Witts. Did have a lot of hit-outs for his 90-odd, but 
not all fantasy scores are created equally, all right? If Jared Witts wants to average 40 hitouts and that's how he gets to 90, 95 every week, then be my guest. Finally, the forward line. A couple of other underperforming premiums. Probably the underperforming premiums really held me back from pushing 2,200 or something like a lot of other coaches out there. Dunkley and Heaney would have obviously rather Tim Kelly over those two, but again, they're probably going to get another week. I'll give them a chance. Uh, Danger was my skipper this week. Didn't exactly fire, but you know you probably want about 115, 120 from your skipper. But considering I only had three dudes in my entire team that re- recorded those type of scores, I'm not going to be unhappy with 100 as my skipper. Warpedo was fantastic. Uh, a lot of people uh, took a punt on him, and he paid us off, uh, paid dividends. And then my rookies, Setterfield was fine. Can't really complain with 70 on from him, and Drew looked great. So. I didn't have Parker, didn't start with him, uh, had Noah Bolter instead, and that was my first uh, probably mistake of the fantasy season, along with probably starting Dusty, but it's okay, I think Bolter will hold his spot. Uh, Dimmer Hardwick said in his press conference that they might push uh, Bolter back to cover for Rants, and even though, like I've talked about with Sammy Collins, key defenders don't score too well, I think that his job security is alright. Grian Myers, Jiren Myers, I don't know how to say his name. The Geelong bloke, the young small forward, uh, wasn't great, didn't light the world on fire, and his spot could be up for grabs with Quinton Narkel lighting it up. Uh, from memory, I read he had about 28 touches and a goal or two in their VFL tune-up, so he might get chopped out, and for that reason, he might be where my second trade goes, but like I said, overall, the large fries and coke were solid. Would have liked those premiums to fire a bit more, and if the likes of Heaney, Dunkley... Witherden and Dusty had have probably junked their way to another 20 or so points, I would have been very happy with my score. Fry's favourite five time. You can't go past a plus five for Tom Rockliffe. There was only about 15, 16% of the uh, coaches out there that started with him, and man, he went bananas. We should have known after watching him in JLT2 that this is the Rocky we'd like to see, uh, the Rocky we expected to see, I should say, but... Of course, this is the Rocky we'd like to see. The fella dominated. He's probably going to be brought in by half the competition this week. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think that if you're going to overreact to something and uh, make a very swift change in round one, got to get Rocky in. If you've got a little bit more cash and you want to probably trade away someone like maybe Clayton Oliver, then Steve Cornelio, who is the plus four this week, is hard to argue that he's a viable option. Had a very, very great outing against the Bombers. A fantasy masterclass, some are calling it. Uh, Might be in the mix now, or sorry, he was probably already in the mix. He's probably the lead candidate right now to be the highest scoring fantasy player this season. Uh, don't tell Tom Rockliffe, though. It will be interesting to see how he goes when Josh Kelly comes back into the fray. A lot of people captained Cornelio this week, and to those dudes, I uh, tip the cap. Great choice. Plus three goes out to Travis Boak, who only about 3% of the comp took a chance on, and he rewarded them as well with 144 from his first game this season. Now, do not go expecting this every week, but as a great pod, a player of difference, a unique person uh, in your sides, this is a fantastic start to the season. I will be curious to keep an eye on him. Could be in the top six forward conversation, and if Heaney and Dunkley fa- fail to fire again, Boke might be the bloke that comes in. Now, plus two. I don't usually like to include rookies in the favourite and frustrating five, but special shout-out to Bailey Scott. Not only was his 97 a pleasant surprise and helped me get over the 2,000 mark this week, but his last disposal literally won me my league matchup. So 
I can't not include him as a plus two this week. He, I think, just got named as the NAB Rising Star nominee for this week. If you don't have him, he's still pretty cheap, under 220 grand. So if you have someone like Zach Butters, while, again, you don't want to overreact too much, it might be wise to just do a little bit of a switch between those two. Finally, the plus one, a little bit uh, hard done by by not being further up the list, but it was a very high scoring round for that reason. Dom Sheeds, 133, gets the final tick of approval. Led the Eagles in marks, as well as chalking up another 38 touches. We should have known he would have kept up his JLT form. Gaffey coming back in a couple of weeks does potentially throw a spanner in the works, but by then Dom Sheed might have scored another couple of 100, 120, so it won't even matter. Fry's frustrating five. At the leadoff, I'm very glad, and I apologise to all the coaches out there who picked him, and some of which who captained him, but I'm glad that I did not start Max Gorn. Uh, the reason I didn't start with him is because priced at about 111, I did wonder how much higher than that he can go. And even though I paid top dollar for Brody Grundy, I didn't really see a second ruck out there that uh, tickled my fancy. But, God, 60-odd from Max Gorn was not how a lot of people wanted to start their fantasy weekend. Not only did he only have 21 hitouts, but he was... Pretty belted by Port Adelaide's ruck guys, and it's a little bit alarming to see the way that he played, but again, you don't want to overreact. I couldn't blame you for trying to pull the trigger and getting fancy by trading out Gorn, but sit and hold, but he dishes up another 60-odd, then Jesus, our, your hand will be forced. Negative four, it's been flagged all preseason. we knew it was coming, but still, Zach Merritt found a way to disappoint fantasy coaches. He recorded a negative one in the third quarter. And the other three quarters weren't that inspiring either. He finished on a 50. For those blokes that started him, he is a perfect rage trade option to try and get someone like Dusty or Sheed, Sloan, try and save some coins somewhere else. Negative three, Josh Dunkley started the game on fire. What happened, mate? Had 37 in the first quarter. Looked like he was going to be playing a bit more midfield time. Looked fantastic. And then just was nowhere to be seen. Finished on just under 80, so... Yeah, he kind of junked his way to an alright score, but yeah, I, I will probably give him another week for my side, but I don't blame coaches out there for swinging the axe. Brody Grundy's 84 earned a negative 2, similar to the Gorn scenario. If you're someone that started both those guys, don't panic yet, okay? There's still a couple of weeks to see, feel it out, see how we're going. You want to try and these first couple of weeks patch up serious mistakes. But, in saying that, most of the blokes that we took punts on and the popular-owned guys, if they failed to fire, I think it's okay to hold them. No exception for Brody Grundy. Finally, again, it's unfair to give a negative one to a rookie, but Sam Collins was not meant to be a rookie. He was meant to be a safe 50 in our back lines, 40 at worst, but 21 points is disgusting. Come on, mate, you're better than that. He seems like, again, job security will keep him in a lot of teams, but... Boy, God, if there's someone else out there like Callum Wilkie or uh, Marty Hoare who dominates next week, don't blame you for just ditching Collins straight away. Time to dive into a bit of trade tactics. Now, as I've said, you don't want to overreact a hell of a lot to some of these uh, scores from round one, but one score we can overreact to is Tom Rockliffe's. He will come in for a lot of coaches this week. It is a potential tactic to try and just leave out Rocky, give him another week and see how he goes, but have a serious think about it. Someone for me, like Dustin Martin, in my trade calculations, who do we think is going to outscore the other from this point in the season? 
It's Tom Rockliffe, right? Even if Dusty plays another 21 games and Tom Rockliffe only plays 15, there's still every chance that Rocky goes on to average 120, while Dusty might only average 100. That extra 20-point boost makes him a fantastic trade target for this week. Don't try and get too fancy. If you don't have Tom Rockliffe and want him in, move hell and high water to get him into your team. The mid-prices lived up to the hype in round one as well. A lot of the midfield dudes scored well. Rory Sloan, uh, Dom Sheed were both fantastic. Two other cheaper options that I didn't take a chance on uh, personally, but in Brad Crouch and Tom Libertore were also great. So those guys, I, it's tough to see them failing every week. They didn't, the latter two anyway, didn't light the world on fire a hell of a lot, but they did their job. They got you 90-odd in Libba's case, or 87 to be exact, and Brad Crouch nearly had 110. So if you did take a punt on a mid-pricer who didn't live up to the hype, then there's nothing wrong with trying to pounce on those guys, even if you have to pay up a little bit. Considering their high scores in round one, their lower break-evens will make them good trade targets. Special shout-out to uh, Jakey Lloyd, the pick of the defenders bunch. I know that Whitfield and Rory uh, Laird did their job, but yeah, Jake Lloyd uh, looks like must-have property. Now, again, we don't want to overreact to one week of scores, but Jake Lloyd looks like he's going to be the top-scoring defender. So if you don't have him and you have a bit of a luxury trade, you want to try and get rid of someone like Alex Witherden, who I've already spoken about, not a bad move at all. Now, a lot of people could be using trades this week to patch up rookie mistakes, and the three on-field rookies that I had, that probably the majority of the comp had as well, are all good starters heading into round two. Those guys I'm talking about include Sam Walsh, Charlie Constable, uh, Bailey Scott. Those three in particular interest me, but don't sleep on the likes of Dersma, Will Setterfield, Willem Drew, who with his handy DPP link is probably in some people's midfields as well. Those guys, and Jordan Clark for that matter, are all players who started in a lot of sides. If you were the person that didn't really take a hell of a lot of a punt on them though, you could try and flip out someone like Sam Collins, Zach Butters, who... I don't want to overreact to Butters, I think he'll be fine, but did kick two goals for his score and only finished with a 60-odd, so if you want to try and patch up a couple of those areas, that is a smart play. Righto, I've talked about guys to bring in, and I've already talked a little bit about bringing guys out, but underperforming premiums, if you don't really want to overreact and get them out in round one, I've got to stop saying overreact, sorry, I know I've said it about 20 times already this video, you don't want to... Uh, see them out if they scored an 80 or a sub-80, like Dunkley, Heaney, Widow, Clayton Oliver, a couple of guys to talk about, for example. You don't really want to get them out of your side and watch them score 110 plus next week. However, like I've talked about with Rocky, there are a couple of uh, instances that buck the trend and make it a fine move. If you have Max Gorn and or Brody Grundy in your team, don't trade them out this week. I don't think it's a good idea. If they lead up with another 70 on this week, uh, next week, sorry, then maybe it will be time to seriously consider bringing them out. But if you've paid up top dollar, you're only going to be losing value by ditching them. Hold firm and just see how next weekend goes. I know it's frustrating. I know it's a bitter pill to swallow, but you got to hold on to them. We are in a position where a lot of players will probably, a lot of coaches, I should say, will be in a uh, luxury trade mode, meaning they might have one or two trades up their sleeves because they don't really have any problems. If that's the case, you might want to try and ditch some of the rookies that didn't really increase a lot in value. Those guys include the likes of Callum Burgess, who only went up about a grand. I didn't start with him because of the key position of player type of thing and wish I listened to my own advice on the Sam Collins front. Uh, Noah Bolter, maybe, who I still have high hopes for. Might be 
cautiously optimistic, but I think he can be okay. Uh, Sam Collins, I've already thrown under the bus a couple of times, so those type of guys you might want to try and flip around and get a little bit fancy for. You might try and bring in someone like Matthew Parker as well, who scored great for St Kilda on the weekend, but I think it's wise to stick with something we've known for a long time, is that key position players don't usually score well. Parker was a little bit of an exception this weekend, but don't go expecting 80 on every week. Expect him to return to the 60s and hopefully not 50s and 40s sooner rather than later. Alright, a new segment in this year's videos is waiver wire moves. Now, a lot of times I haven't really addressed draft because I don't do a hell of a lot of draft comps. I'm only in two draft leagues this year and that's more than enough considering I'm trying to juggle my classic team. However, I do want to point out a couple of guys that might be up for grabs in your draft league that you should take a punt on. First one I want to talk about turning my attention to the defenders is Jamie McMillan from the Roos. Pretty shithouse effort by North on the weekend, but he still managed to score well, had 118, so he's someone who may be available on your waiver wire that you could snap up. If you're playing in deeper leagues, Zach Jones from the Swans is someone that could come in, especially if you've got, I know in those real deep leagues, you try to pick guys on your bench who are maybe coming back from injury or you're holding them because of injury, but Zach Jones is someone that you can probably bring in and start with a fair amount of confidence. Into the midfield, Darcy Tucker is someone who I had my eye on a little bit over the preseason, but because of the way he's playing in Ross Lyon's system as a go-to, or a shutdown player, I should say, in a tagger role, he's going to be near the footy a hell of a lot, chalk up a lot of tackles, and that helped him get to 110 this week. So he's someone you can probably snag off the uh, scrap heap if he's around. Jack Graham from the Tigers as well. He was arguably one of the most impressive players in round one. Bobbed up for 106. It was caught us a little bit off guard, but... He's another option, that's for sure. And in deeper, deeper leagues, you can probably take a punt on some of these young cash cows that I've talked about, but that might be a little bit too risky. I think 50s from rookies can be expected, so you might want to go with someone a little bit safer like James Cousins, who's scored 90-odd on the weekend, could probably average in the 80s, probably closer to the 70s, but might be a deeper league option in your midfield. Chasing a ruck. There's nothing wrong with going for Andrew Phillips at the moment. It's not a long-term option, but considering Cruz is up in the air, if he's not starting, then Phillips could just help you get a couple of 70s and 60s on the board. Not a hell of a lot, but if you're in a deep league, you might need that kind of production if your Ruckman gets injured, or God forbid, you forgot to draft a Ruckman and you need someone desperate to plug into that spot. I wouldn't be going with Zach Clark or someone like that. Andrew Phillips might be your guy. Finally, the forward line. A couple of young forwards who are probably in for DPP throughout the year. or not They're not super young, but guys like Brandon Parfitt and Zach Fisher from Carlton both bobbed up for scores. Actually, they scored exactly the same. They had 84 on the weekend, but I think that's about where they can average. So if you can pick up a bloke who's averaging in the 80s off the uh, scrap heap in, the, in your draft league, that's a, probably a pretty solid move. All right, wrapping this thing up before I bail. My moves, as I've talked about, I don't really want to overreact and get rid of Dustin Martin. I mean, I picked him in my starting side for a reason, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. There's a couple of coaches who are probably in a similar boat, but we've got to get Tom Rockliffe. We don't need to get pretty about it. Let's think, like I said before, who's really going to score more from this point onward? We've seen what Tom Rockliffe can do. Averaged 134 one season. We know that when he's fit and firing, he can tackle and junk his way to a fantastic score. Just look at pre-season game two and the first round of fixtures for further confirmation. So 
A lot of coaches out there will probably try and get him because you've got the likes. You might have batted deep in your midfield, and you might, unlike me, have Dom Shield or Brad Crouch and Libba in those midfield spots. If that's the case, I don't think it's a stupid idea to try and get Rockliffe. However, I wouldn't be messing with my team the way that it scored fantastically. It's probably not a bad idea to keep an eye on cashing Shield. Ah, uh, Shield. Oh God, catching Dom Sheed in if his scores are impacted when Gaff comes back. But until that point in time, don't go trying to chase Rocky unless you have someone like an Oliver or maybe you've got Heaney in your midfield or something like that where you've seen, right, oh, this player scored bad, got a high break even now, so they're only going to potentially lose me dollars for that reason. I'm bringing Rocky in. My second trade is probably going to go to bench shuffling. I have a bad feeling that Brian Myers is going to be the one who uh, makes way this week. And if so, I'll probably bring in Jared Brander, maybe bring in Matthew Parker, but Brander comes with a little bit, uh, can save a little bit of money in that regard. I think Sam Collins will survive another week. Uh, God, I don't really want to, but he'll probably go on my bench. Hopefully for that reason, Jack Scrimshaw is named. Didn't have a fantastic game this week against the Crows, but hopefully he can uh, do his job. And that is the round one wrap-up done and dusted. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube and podcast channel for more episodes. Going to be churning out an NBA pod throughout this week. Fingers crossed can get JLo in the booth for that one. Um, might do a Fries Fast Five on Thursday or Friday, talk a little bit of my trades. Uh, otherwise, the next video I produce will probably be the round two wrap-up. Hopefully, my side can get its shit together for the second week of fixtures, but again, like I've said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's a lot of footy left to be played, so don't overreact and panic if your side struggled in round one. Thank you for tuning in, though. Time for me to go and edit this video. Until next time, peace. Peace.